everybody. Chris Webster here to talk about one of the latest supporters to the Archaeology Podcast Network, The Motley Fool. Now, I've been investing in the stock market through various applications for a few years now, and everybody who's listening to this can benefit from that sort of investment for the long-term financial planning. And also, I know the hosts of these podcasts can benefit because as archaeologists, like none of us get retirement, <laughs> we all have to kind of fend for ourselves. So investing in the stock market is a good idea, but not everybody can do it. And look, we get it. The market is complicated and confusing, and to many of us, it simply doesn't make sense. In fact, where do you even start? Take all of the guesswork out of it with the Motley Fool Stock Advisor. The Motley Fool has been around for over 25 years and has been spot on in recommending some of the world's most important companies before they hit the big time. I'm talking about Amazon, Tesla, Netflix, Starbucks, all before they exploded in value. With their easy to use and super informative service, Stock Advisor, you could join the ranks before they potentially find the next big thing. After all, their average stock recommendation is up over 400% as of April 10th, 2023. And no need to be intimidated by financial jargon or market complexities. As the name suggests, these guys don't take themselves too seriously. Now, finances, that's a different story. Their friendly and relaxed approach has helped over 700,000 people move closer to financial independence, all while beating the market and having fun. New members can access Stock Advisor for only $89 for their first year, a full $110 off the full list price. Don't sit on the sidelines and think about what could have happened. Visit fool.com slash APN to start your investing journey today. That's $110 discount off of $199 per year list price. Membership will renew annually at the then current list price. So again, check the link in the show notes of this episode. You're listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. You're listening to the Archaeology Show. TAS goes behind the headlines to bring you the real stories about archaeology and the history around us. Welcome to the podcast. Hello and welcome to the Archaeology Show, episode 251. On today's show, we talk about a well-preserved bog body, the ancient Assyrian capital, Asher, and the rediscovery of an Irish tomb. Let's dig a little deeper into those tasty bogs <laughs> with all the fun stuff in them. Bog butter? Bog butter. <laughs> all right, welcome to the show. Hello. So, going to talk about news today. We are going to talk about news today. Yeah. Yeah. The first part of news is we're back in Mexico. Yeah. Were we here last week when we recorded? I don't We were at Organ Pipe. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's right. And we were staging. Yes. But now we are here for real. And oh my gosh, I don't think we could have like asked for better weather yeah. weather than what we have right now. It's amazing. Yeah, it's been pretty good. Sorry to anybody who's got like <laughs> rain and snow and stuff going on. Yeah. I know it's an actual not, winter. Yeah. But like, you know. Yeah. We drove here on purpose to avoid that. So, yay. Mm -hmm. It's working. It's not cold here. It's sunny and beautiful. Yes. You know yeah. who else is cozy? Bog bodies. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, the people excavating this body look like they are quite cozy in their hazmat outfits and bubble. They have geodesic bubble thing. That's not the right word, is it? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> Geodesic implies a shape. Yeah. It is a little like fort. A, like a geodome thing. Yeah. yeah. Why does it got to be geo? Um, oh, no. It just does. Okay. <laughs> well, this place that they're digging in is geologically interesting. It is indeed. Yeah. All right. What do we got? Yeah. So this article is called Belagi Bogbody. Human remains are 2,000 years old. Well, they kind of just like... Gave everything away right in that, <laughs> yeah. in that title. All right, on right to segment done. Two. Nothing else to talk about. 
So this article is from the BBC and it is exactly what the title sounds like. There is a bog body that was discovered Mm -hmm. and these ancient human remains date back to more than 2000 years ago. And they've been recovered by the police service of Northern Ireland. So it's a interesting situation because they had no idea how old these remains were going to be. So that's why the police were involved. The fact that they are preserved well enough that they were concerned that they might be more modern is crazy because they are not modern. They are 2000 years old. Now, anytime, unless you're doing an archaeological excavation in a known area where you could find something, mm-hmm. if, even if you're an archaeologist and you out and you just find like human remains yeah. with no context, yeah. you immediately call the police. Yes, because they can look newer and they can look older right. than what they actually are. And you just you just yeah. don't know. So, yeah, that's how the police ended up involved, I'm sure. Yeah. So these bog lands in this part of Northern Ireland, first off, you hear about bog stuff all the not just yeah. bodies. But like yeah. things have been chucked into bogs. I mean, there's animals, there's mm-hmm. all kinds of these different things. And it just the low oxygen environment, once it really gets in there, it just preserves stuff. Yes. Yeah, yeah it does. It's a it's a really cool area. I heard about bog butter one time. We I talked about it on the show. Yeah. Okay. Super gross. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a series of bog lands that are north of Low Nye. It's L-O-U-G-H. New word, N-E-A-G-H. So not entirely sure how to pronounce that, but yeah. And they were formed by glaciers. So that's the sort of geological history of this area. Mm -hmm. It's probably Loch. Loch. Yeah, sure. And so they've done some initial carbon dating on these remains, and it is placing them between 2,000 and 2,500 years old. Yeah. They also did a forensic study on the remains just to sort of figure out how old this person was and they've determined that the individual was a male between the ages of 13 and 17. Yeah. They initially found just like, you know, doing investigations, uh, tibia and fibula from the left leg and a humerus ulna and radius of the right arm on the surface. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I guess prompted this whole thing. Mm hmm. Yeah, they they excavated further, and about five meters south, they found more long bones protruding from the surface, and so that you know caused a larger scale excavation to happen. And between these various surface finds that that initially drew them to the area, mm-hmm. they found finger bones, wrist bones, toe and ankle bones, ribs, a few vertebra, clavicles, and of course more of the arm and leg long bones. And they that and was sure, all buried. Yeah, yeah, they're sure it's all from the same person. Well. They probably think that because they don't have any doubles. Yeah. If you have doubles, then you know you have more than one individual. That's right. So M and I is minimum number of individual. And usually when you have a fragmented, you know, burial recovery like this, where you don't know, you just mm-hmm. have to pick a bone. And then however many instances of that bone you find is how many individuals there are. Uh. And so I'm guessing that's what they did. All they don't really talk about that in this article because this article is just more of a like... A press release kind of a thing rather than a scientific study situation. Right. So, yeah. What makes this super interesting and the fact that it's in a bog is some of the other stuff that they found that's preserved, like intact fingernails. 
mm-hmm. toenails, skin, possibly a kidney. I mean, I, they 2, said... 2,000 years old. I know. And they said possibly a kidney, but like if you look at that picture, yeah. that is a kidney. Like yeah. what else could that possibly be? Mm-hmm. So that's insane. A 2,000-year-old kidney. Yeah. Fully preserved. So crazy. The one thing this kid was missing was his head, though. Or her head. What was it? Male it's or a, it's a, it male. It is male. Right, yeah. Yeah. They said it wasn't clear if the head was removed before or after death, but I guess we don't have the part of the vertebra the or spine where, yeah. Yeah, where it would have been disconnected. Yeah. In the image, I definitely saw a couple of vertebra, but I don't think that the ones from the top yeah. were necessarily there. So, yeah, that's probably what you would need to know how the, the head got separated. All these remains that they found were about one meter below the surface, which geologically matches about 2,000 to 2,500 years of a date range yeah. years old. Yeah. So, it, so. it corroborates the yeah. the carbon dating that they were getting as well, which is always good when you have two different dating methods that sort of mm-hmm. produce the same results. So that's great. Yeah. They also found a cluster of fossil tree remains, which... I'm kind of surprised that a tree could fossilize in that environment. But yeah. Anyway. That was interesting, too. And it's it looks like the the individual might have been like purposely placed there. It's mm-hmm. possible. But, you know, there's always other reasons, too, that you have to consider. Yeah. Right. Maybe he just naturally died among the trees and that's where his body, you know, naturally came mm-hmm. to rest. Or he could have washed in from somewhere else and got caught up by the trees and then that's why he's tangled up in this fossilized tree remains but it is interesting to speculate because if it's a purposeful burial then that would be an interesting like custom for Mm -hmm. uh, this group of people at that time so but i just don't know that they're gonna be able to say that for sure they would need to find more artifacts more evidence that it was a, a purposeful burial so yeah yeah okay or more burials that are like it i guess would also help with that argument. It's going to have to keep digging in the bogs. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yeah. So lots of cool things in the bogs. Yeah. Kind of yeah. like the La Brea tar pits. Oh, oh man. God. Lots of good stuff in La Brea. That's the worst show on TV. I wasn't you... even going to talk about it. I'm literally talking about the tar pits. Yes, I know. But I know it's in your head right now. And you're thinking of this terrible, awful show. Which we mentioned here before. Yeah. You did a whole episode on it. Oh, yeah. Probably because I refused to join you. Because yeah, I was true. like, this is the worst show ever. <laughs> I just love the time travel premise. Yeah, it's like not super well executed, but it's also kind of fun, I guess. Indeed. Yeah. All right. Well, something that was super well executed (laughs) was the lost capital of of ancient Assyria. (laughs) They did a good job. Then they lost it. Back in a minute. Hey, archaeology podcast fans. Anyone that's heard me on a show has likely heard me mention coffee one or probably a thousand times. Coffee, however awesome it is, has some downsides and should be consumed in moderation. That's why we partnered with Laird Superfoods. They've got lots of stuff, but their coffee and coffee creamers have been engineered to taste better, provide functional benefits, and don't contain any refined sugars. So are you ready to feel more energized, focused, and supported? Go to LairdSuperfood.com and add nourishing plant-based foods to fuel you from sunrise to sunset. Use our promo code ARCPODNETFEED at checkout and save 15% on your purchase today. You can also click the link in your show notes. Welcome back to the Archaeology Show, episode 251, and this time around, we are talking about the lost capital of ancient Assyria. It's an article that just was out in National Geographic. It's not really news, so to speak. I mean, aside from the fact that it was in a recent episode or episode <laughs> issue of National Geographic, mm-hmm. so that's why we're talking about it. Yeah, so... Basically, in the early days of the Assyrian Empire, Asher was its first capital and also the origin of its ruling dynasty. So pretty important place back in the day. Yeah. And also Asher, 
the city's namesake was the most revered god in ancient Assyria. So the city was named after after that god. Yeah. You just start to study place names, man. You go back in certain areas and everything's named after religious figures. I know, and gods and I know. Like that. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's located on the western shore of the Tigris River in what is today Iraq. Mm-hmm. And the site has an Arabic name as well, which is, and forgive my pronunciation here, Kualat Sherkat. Yeah. We'll go with that. So this city would have been kind of a link between Assyria and Anatolia. And Anatolia is, of course, today's eastern Turkey area. Yeah. The city was the capital of Assyria, like we said, from the 14th to the 9th centuries BCE. Mm-hmm. I mean, we talk about progress. We talk about all kinds of stuff. That's like twice as old and more than the United States is. Yeah. Like that is a really long time for That's- it to be the capital for for a civilization to yeah. be strong enough to have a capital city for that long. Like that's right. That's but cool. these, these people knew what they're doing. If you recognize the Tigris river, the Tigris and the Euphrates, which is also right over there, mm-hmm. that little area between them is what's known as the fertile crescent. And right. that's where everybody pretty much agrees that agriculture was first developed in this world. Mm-hmm. Not, not that it was developed there and then spread around, but the earliest example of it that we think of is mm-hmm. was right there. And some of the oldest cities in the world are, oh, are yeah. in that area. So yeah. it makes sense that these guys... They knew what they were doing. Yeah, they were, they were definitely yeah. building big civilizations early in this area. So that's why it's so old and it lasted for so long, probably. Mm-hmm. In 879 BCE, the capital was re- replaced by Kalu, known today as Nimrud. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the Assyrian kingdom was conquered by the Medes and the Babylonians in the 7th century BCE. So, yeah, yeah, they they made it a couple hundred years after Asher was no longer the capital, but I guess they were were on the decline at that point. So, yeah. Yeah, they only lasted about another thousand years, the city. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) That's true. So, the Assyrians might not have been an empire anymore, but Asher, the city, yeah, like those people (laughs) didn't leave. They weren't gone. They didn't all die. (laughs) They continued on, and the city was a city for another millennia. They just were under various different occupations. The Persians, the Parthians, and probably others that you know, weren't even mentioned in this article. Sounds so. like Crete. Yeah. Yeah. Just like <laughs> somebody would come along and they'd be like, okay, cool. We're part of you now. Yeah. <laughs> so in 240 CE, there was a final sacking of the city by the Sasanian Persians. And that really did truly leave the city in ruins. It sounds like basically everybody took off and the city just was not occupied anymore after that point. So, I mean, yeah. these cities that are made out of stone, it, it would be difficult to rebuild in any sort of efficient way. Mm-hmm. You know, it's almost easier just to go live in another city or, mm-hmm. you know, build somewhere else because the infrastructure it would take to just build all that back up. Yeah. I can't even imagine. If you yeah. had someplace else to go, just as like a citizen, it probably yeah. would be easier to just go join a, a branch of your family somewhere else right. rather than trying to rebuild. I could I could see that being like a game of attrition, basically, as people mm-hmm. just like slowly left and then it just became ruins, the ruins that it is today. So, yeah. Yeah. The city itself, you know, archaeologists have known about it for a while, but it was somewhat overlooked by the early archaeologists of the 19th century. And the one of the reasons for that in this article is that it might be because it doesn't have biblical importance like Babylon or Nineveh. Mm-hmm. So maybe, I mean, it's not mentioned in the Bible anywhere, so that could be why it wasn't, that could be why early archaeologists weren't really interested in it. Right. 
Yeah, it would have had equal importance in the ancient world to other great cities we've heard of, like ancient Greece, Rome, Egypt. Yeah, but they're just saying that this was an important big city yeah. that everybody knew about. Like when you're looking at these these cities, right? These other cities that have been well excavated and well documented and everybody knows about. And mm-hmm. Like anybody walking down the street, you can ask them, you know, name an ancient city in yeah. Europe and they could probably say Greece or Rome or whatever. Right. This one would be equally important. It's just that it hasn't had the work done on it. It's in an area of the world that is constantly experiencing upheaval and strife through various civil wars and other wars. So Mm -hmm. like, it's just not been studied as well as some of these other places. Yeah. The first excavations here finally happened in around the early 20th century by the German Orient Society. Mm -hmm. Sounds like a fun place. (laughs) Led by Robert Coldaway and Walter Andre. Yeah. Coldaway was a super meticulous guy and I love this so much because you don't really hear about this with early archaeologists too much, but he put a big emphasis on understanding how past societies functioned, not just, you know, an artifact grab or Mm -hmm. that kind of thing, you know? So because that was his interest and he was the lead, the leader of the dig, Mm -hmm. he made sure that every artifact and every structure was accurately documented, like down to every detail and the way that they fit together too was, was documented. He context, he was, he was very interested in context. Yeah. He was originally trained as an architect uh, and then put his like drafting skills to work documenting the city. Cause I mean, even now one of the most important byproducts of an excavation is the map. Yeah. Where is everything in association with everything else? And that was Andre who was trained as an architect. So that, is part of the reason why Coldaway brought Andre in is because Mm -hmm. he wanted somebody who could do those really detailed, amazing drawings and maps and things. Yeah. They worked there for nine years, beginning in 1903, and uncovered a complex of temples, palaces, and fortifications. Yeah, one of those was the Temple to Asher, which was a lavishly decorated mud rock building that was completed around 1800 BCE. Super old. <laughs> I wonder how they dated that. Yeah, that's true. I'm not sure. Again, this is more of a like information sharing article from yeah. National Geographic, not like a scientific one. So I'm not really sure where they get that date from. But yeah. Yeah. Apparently the walls of the what they call the God's Room Chamber in the temple were once completely covered in gold. Again, how do they know that? I mean, is there gold some of it there? Yeah. <laughs> or, is it, or do we have like history, historical documents, basically historical records describing this place, you know, from other historians? Mm-hmm. I would imagine so. It'd been around for a long time. And, you know, some of the big great Greek historians and things like that, they traveled around mm-hmm. and, you know, more than likely visited here, but somebody must have documented this because I'm not really sure where they're getting this information if none of that's there anymore. You look at the pictures in the article and I mean, it's just a bunch of ruins. So I was just looking that up while you were talking because I couldn't remember why they knew that, but apparently there's an inscription by a later sovereign, Esar Haddon, that said that the walls were covered in gold. Now, again, this is an inscription mm-hmm. by somebody later on who might have wanted to bolster the mm. memory of his previous rulers or whatever. Yeah. Maybe they were family members or something like that. But that is why they say that it was covered in gold. I don't think there's any evidence of that left because it sounds like they were looted pretty badly. Like yeah. the multiple sackings that the city went through, there was there were no valuable goods left to be found. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, given its 
longevity. There were several, and I'm surprised only several. Yeah. <laughs> uh, royal palaces throughout the city's time. You'd think there'd be one every, you know, new ruling class. I know. But the old palace, they call it, with ancient foundations embellished by the Asher kings as the city became a regional power, was there. And then there was the new palace built in the 13th century BC by Tukulti Ninurta the first. Yeah. Yeah. Tukulti Ninurta. Yeah, that's quite a yeah. name. <laughs> anyway, a third palace was built much later in the second century CE by the Parthians. And that would have been not too long before the the final sacking of the palace too. So mm-hmm. or of the city too. So that was a much later addition to the city. This would have been super cool just excavating this whole thing back then, but inside the old palace they found what were the royal tombs of Assyria's ancient kings. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just I feel like you don't find stuff like that anymore. I know. Maybe in Egypt. Yeah. I mean, every once in a while you do, but... Mm -hmm. And it's always looted, right? Even these were looted. It was looted way back in 614 BCE. It's a good thing the looters said, you know, here's... We were here. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think there's just written records of this kind of stuff from back then, either written like in stone on tablets or whatever, Mm -hmm. whatever, wherever they left those kind of inscriptions. So... They did not expect to find any grave goods or valuables, though. Same as with the other structures. Right. They just, they were all looted. And there's been too much, too much looting and taking over of the cities. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there was just nothing left. So this initial excavation was paused with the outbreak of World War One, And before it started, the, a ship full of artifacts left for Germany in 1914. The idea was to take them there and study them because yeah. they knew that things were having to, to wind down because of the war. But that ship got held in Portugal <laughs> throughout World War One and all the way until 1926. And they were finally released and allowed to continue to Germany, you know, 12 years after they left Iraq. I mean, Iraq. <laughs> is somebody like on that ship for 12 years just going any day now? I don't know. I Yeah. Like the thought of that is just crazy. Was it was it docked somewhere? Was it at anchor? Well, it like was, it, it was docked. It I'm must sure, have but, been. Yeah. But well, I guess it could have been at anchor. Yeah. You know, why not? But yeah, it's crazy, right? Yeah. That's nuts. And so that was sort of it for a while, right? Like it wasn't excavated again for many decades because of political upheaval in modern day Iraq and maybe even potentially like lack of interest a little bit. Like Mm -hmm. it just it just didn't get the attention that some of these other big ancient cities did. So, yeah. But in 2003, it became a UNESCO World Heritage Site. So that got some eyeballs back on it. Yeah, and then some more eyeballs got back on it. <laughs> yeah. In 2015, when ISIS was seeing how far their bombs would go and uh-huh. uh, deliberately destroyed Asher's remains, including severely damaging the arches of a historic symbol of the city, the monumental Tiberia Gate. I remember mm-hmm. hearing about that. Yeah. 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 It was like, I'd never heard of the place to begin with. Yeah. And then yeah. all of a sudden in 2015, they just started blowing stuff up that didn't support their historical narrative. Yeah. yeah. And also probably to make a, just to make a point of their strength probably like look at us we can blow up these you know ancient remains i guess so well i don't know what the germans are so interested in this place for but in (laughs) 2022 a team from ludwig maximilian university in munich which is someplace i definitely want to go in germany (laughs) began working in the new town section of Escher. and to make things even more complicated this was just like an afterthought at the end of this article. And I was like, wait, what? We need to talk about this more. But the entire site, the entire city is currently under threat by the proposed Makul Dam, which would flood the area and would completely drown this yeah. ancient city. So not only is it a place that hasn't really been well excavated, 
it might be underwater soon because of the dam yeah. or a, a new dam, which is crazy. So I guess this team from the German university, they're working on it, but archaeology is a slow science. So mm-hmm. I don't know when this dam is supposedly going to be built, if it's going to be built, mm-hmm. but they don't have a lot of time. This yeah. is like a salvage archaeology moment if that dam is going to happen. So might, might just make e- digging easier for underwater archaeologists. <laughs> right. <you know. laughs> All right. Well, go check that out. Lots of cool stuff. Obviously, it's National Geographic, so there's pictures, and it's kind of a long article, but it, it's it's a good read. It's it's well it put is. together. Yeah. yeah, and there's some old photos from the original excavation, which are really neat to see. Yeah, some of the drawings from that original excavation have been turned into almost like reconstructions, so mm-hmm. you can see what the what the city might have looked like. And then yeah. there's some really cool artifacts that were recovered as well. I said that it was looted terribly, and it was, but that doesn't mean that they got everything. Right. So these excavations did turn up some really really cool artifacts. So yeah. there's some great images of those in the article as well. All right. Well, we're going to go from a lost capital city to just one tiny lost little tomb. (laughs) Back in a minute. Welcome back to the Archaeology Show, episode 251, and this is our last story. And this is about a 4,000-year-old tomb that everyone thought was destroyed. (laughs) Yeah. I know. This article is actually kind of short, and there's not a lot to it, but I thought it was really interesting. Mm, It's very confusing to me. That they that it was lost. Let's yeah, just, well, no, not only that, but other stuff. But okay, let's, all right, let's, let's get go. Into it. Okay, so the title of the article is "Everyone Thought This Four Thousand Year Old Tomb Had Been Destroyed." Then an archaeologist found it, and it was published in Smithsonian, which I know I've said before is basically my favorite magazine for archaeology publications. Yeah. I just that in Idaho Statesman. Idaho Statesman, <laughs> Statesman might be my favorite. Actually, Smithsonian would be second. So right. we <laughs> yeah. should go visit the Idaho Statesman when we drive know, through there. Right? I don't know why they're just so good the miami herald has kind of been coming up too like randomly they've got a lot of archaeology stories lately so yeah all right i wonder if they're connected somehow in the background like somebody owns both of them or something like that and they're sharing content i I don't know know. anyway random thoughts about archaeology stories in the news so yeah Anyway, in 1838, according to the article here, English Aristocat. <laughs> now, That's a she movie was, from the 90s. <laughs> she was a Disney character that we're talking about here. Uh, was that a Disney movie? I don't know I don't if it know. was Disney or one of the other yeah. cartoon. Anyway, the Aristocats. Yeah. <laughs> Georgiana Chatterton sketched a tomb called Altoir Nagrin, which I'm probably, you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, which means Altar of the Sun in Irish, you know, because this is Ireland we're talking about. Here. <laughs> yes. I don't know if we mentioned that. I'm going to correct your other pronunciation, too. When it looks like Georgiana, it's pronounced Georgina. Georgina? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yep. All right. Well, Georgina <laughs> described this as a curious piece of antiquity, once an altar, supposed to have been used for offering sacrifices to the sun. Okay, pause. Yeah. <laughs> this is apparently a 4,000-year-old tomb. How in 1838 did she have any idea? She probably talked to some farmer and was like, I heard like, something about the yeah. sun. And, I mean, I can't imagine that was passed down for 4,000 years in Ireland. Oh, there's no way. she. And that's why they say later on in the article that like, that is the question, is why is it called Altar of the Sun? And yeah. the name could have been given to it when more of it was standing. Yeah. And maybe there was an obvious, like, association with the sun with, through an alignment or something like that that's possible yeah but well, yeah or it's just people local people decided hey it looks like a altar i right. bet it's for the sun cool let's call it that <laughs> i mean you know <laughs> well 
not long after that, in 1852, antiquarian Richard Hitchcock tried to visit the site and concluded that the tomb had been dismantled um, or that he, he just like couldn't find it. Yeah. I guess her GPS coordinates weren't very good. <laughs> know, the right? accuracy was like plus or minus 18 miles or something. I don't my, know. My thing with that is like... <laughs> It's it's extreme arrogance to think that because you can't find something, therefore it's gone. How right? many sites have we tried to relocate it and said I can't find it, therefore it's gone? Yeah, but you we write that up on a site record. You do say it's gone, <laughs> yes, but you don't say it's because they the local people dismantled it and took it away. I mean, you know, like it's gone because you can't find it because it's overgrown. You know, maybe I mean, water activity caused it to be not visible anymore. Back then, carved stone. I mean, a good a good piece if you need it. Yeah. And you don't care. Maybe. It's going to be in your barn. Okay. Well, we'll get to why that's probably unlikely too later on. But either way, you know, he said it was gone. And so from that point forward, future researchers just assumed it was gone, even though Georgina had documented it in her journal. So, Yeah. yeah. Then we get our next character who's got the best name ever, (laughs) Billy Mag Flown. Flowen? Flowen. Sure. Irish. He's Irish, obviously, by that name. And he's a, an archaeologist and a folklorist at the Sacred Heart University. And he was not so sure that this whole thing, tomb, was dismantled or yeah. missing or gone or whatever. He was like, no, 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 we, like, we should try a little harder to find this thing. Well, and he lived near there, too. Yes. Where it was supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he just he had just had a feeling there's something more going on here. So, yeah. so he decided to to start doing some more searching for it. Yeah, and apparently according to his folklore knowledge, yeah. it was taboo to destroy these kinds of sites in the 19th century, which made it a little bit unlikely that it was dismantled yeah. in the first place, right? Yeah, that's what I was alluding to. Like yeah. were, they just probably wouldn't have done that given the way people thought about this kind of mm-hmm. ancient architecture back in those days. So, yeah. Yeah. So what Billy did is he started building a photogrammetric model using images of the area. And I was a little confused about this because I'm like, he just took a bunch of pictures or was he using aerial photos to put this together? Did you get a a hint of how that might have worked? I mean, you can almost do it from satellite imagery from Google Earth. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you've got enough and mm-hmm. it's and enough to at least start a model. Yeah. You can start getting some some 3D stuff. So it's hard to say. I don't think they mentioned how we got the images. I mean, he could easily have flown a $200 oh. drone over the property. Yeah, true. Know, so. But either way, he's trying to get like a 3D image of the area so mm-hmm. he could look for something yeah. that might be this this tomb that is supposedly lost. And he must have had some relatively decent resolution on that, which makes me think it was a drone. Mm-hmm. Because he spotted a stone, and these stones are probably human-sized from the sounds of the descriptions. Mm-hmm. It, they're in the picture, too, at the oh, yeah, very yeah. beginning. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. why I was, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, he spotted one that looked like... The one from Chatterton Sketch. I'm like, kind of, don't they all? But anyway. <laughs> I wonder if it, because when you see the picture at the beginning of the article, there's like yeah. one stone that's sort of mostly upright, kind of yeah. leaning a little bit. That would stick out on the landscape, right? Like mm-hmm. if you were trying to put together a photogrammetry, like image of an area, like yeah. that would stick out. Yeah. Well, Billy Mag teamed up with, <laughs> I love that name, <laughs> teamed up with an archaeologist from Ireland's National Monument Service. That was a good movie. Anyway, um, so these monuments, man, uh, 
<laughs> no, the guy's name was Cayman O'Brien, and together they confirmed it was the long-lost El Tour Na Grin. Yeah. So, again, I don't know. I mean, from her sketch, sure, but I, I'm still not sure where she got that name. You know, it must have been local yeah. something or other. It would have been etched on it. Yeah. So. I think she was told by the locals that that was the name of it. Maybe mm-hmm. she even hunted it down on purpose to find it and then drew it. Right. Either way, it's, it's very inaccessible today. They had to climb over barbed wire fences and stuff yeah. like that. And I know, I know, I know you're laughing right now because like climbing barbed wire fences is like Nevada. a daily activity when you're working in <laughs> Western United States. I've got the scars on my hands and my leg to prove it. You do. You do yep. indeed. I, I definitely got bit by a barbed wire a couple times too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's not really, I mean, I guess it depends on the barbed wire if it's, in terrible condition and rusty, it would be pretty dangerous. But yeah, at least it was the female kind. I think that's because uh, Bob wire Bob. is really hard to get over. <laughs> Barb wire is really good. Wow, yeah. that was a lame joke. <sighs> I, that really flies in Nevada though, because everybody calls it Bob wire. They do call it Bob all wire. The, yeah, all the people on the hills. It just like because we're funny whenever we're doing fake data (laughs) like in in the company i work for a while now whenever i'm putting fake data in i always name my fake person who's entering the data bob bob wire or sometimes barb wire (laughs) well i have uh fake names i use too in the software that i work with i had Uh to create fake users and i've got the whole wire family Uh i've got guy barb and bob Guy. I forgot about Guy. <laughs> You're such a dork. And then sometimes their uncle Mark Waypoint comes Yes. Over. Yeah. Don't forget yeah. Mark. Yep. Mark Waypoint. Mark okay. Waypoint. Okay. All right. So, well, anyway. we're lame. So. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, these guys think that there's more stones buried below the soil, which would only yeah. make sense. It's been and there 4,000 years. It's possible that the ones that are buried, and you can see a couple of them either partially buried or fallen over in that image like maybe they were standing Mm -hmm. when Georgina originally sketched it and now they've fallen over and that's why it looked so different when our next fellow went looking for it you know 20 years later or whatever but yeah yeah this tomb is located in a place where you would kind of expect a tomb to be for maybe somebody important or Mm -hmm. something like that but it's on top of a hill near Bally Ferreter yeah, near a town called Ballyferreter, which is a small village on the Dingle Peninsula. On the Dingle. That can't be the real name. <laughs> yeah, I live on the Dingle. <laughs> yeah, this was a wedge tomb, which is common to the region. You see these all the time. It basically had large upright stones arranged in a rectangle and then a large capstone placed on top. Again, 4,000 years ago, and they're just like throwing these stones around like yeah. they're nothing. Yeah, I mean, those, they're heavy. You know, they yeah. had to have some kind, I mean, a lot of men to carry them around mm-hmm. or some kind of, you know, levering situation to get them well, up and, and maneuver them, you know? I'm guessing before the Lovelock Giants got to America, <laughs> they were here moving stones around. Are you, like, teasing a future episode, uh, maybe? maybe? I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> so this particular tomb likely dates to between 2500 and 2000 BCE, and they definitely don't expect to find any remains with this tomb because the wet soil will not preserve them all. But anyway, it's super interesting. I, I think, for me, the reason this story jumped out at me is because... Because of the whole, it's gone. (laughs) And like archaeology is like that, right? Mm -hmm. Like grass grows up around things and you can't see it anymore. There's just so many ways that something on the surface like this can be obscured. And I don't think the right assumption is that it's gone or been dismantled. It just, all you can do is just note that it's not there anymore. But saying that it's gone, I think was just like going one step too far you know, by the gentleman back in the 1800s. So, I mean, it happens though. If you're trying to find something and you think you're where it's supposed to be, Mm -hmm. I mean, 
we're, we're we're reading this a long time later and saying, well, the determination was it's no longer there, but he probably wrote, I couldn't find it. Yeah, and I maybe. Here, 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 and here. Yeah. And that's been interpreted over the century as it's gone. It's gone. Yeah. Yeah. So why look? Gone is just so final. Yeah. You know, it, you, you got to leave that door cracked a little bit because, mm-hmm. you know, it, all it took was, you know, Billy Mag here. He cracked that door wide open and was like, nah, I'm going to find this. And that's then right. he did. And that's, it's really cool how he used technology to help direct them to the right location to find right. it. So, yeah. All right. Well, that's it for this week. I guess we'll be back next week with something else. You guess? I Maybe guess. not. I don't know. Sometimes we don't show up. <laughs> Sometimes. Who knows what's going to happen? Flaky, flaky TAS people. Yeah. Well, we're down in Mexico having fun. So We are. It's true. You know. Yep. Anyway. All right. See you guys next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to The Archaeology Show. Feel free to comment and view the show notes on the website at www.archpodnet.com. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at ArcPodNet. Music for this show is called I Wish You Would Look from the band Sea Hero. Again, thanks for listening and have an awesome day. This episode was produced by Chris Webster from his RV traveling the United States, Tristan Boyle in Scotland, DigTech LLC, Cultural Media, and the Archaeology Podcast Network, and was edited by Rachel Roden. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archpodnet.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com.